Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news. With us now in Washington, D.C., the senior senator from Massachusetts, Senator Elizabeth Warren, is with us. It's great to see you, Senator. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Here at Bloomberg, of course. Good to be here. Uh, We've had some big news about antitrust this week that we're looking forward to talking with you about. But we're also getting a lot of questions about whether the government is going to start shutting down on Friday. I realize you might not have the answer to that. But there's an effort underway right now, I guess a last ditch following this meeting at the White House uh, with the four leaders to get something done. Uh, we're hearing from Mitch McConnell's office that there could be a minibus that comes up for a vote. Would you support that to keep the uh, government Yes. Oh, look, can I just be clear? This is the craziest kind of negotiation you would ever see. And that is that, as far as I can tell, everybody wants to deal, keep the government open. We've all agreed on what the numbers are. It's yeah. a budget deal, right? And everyone's agreed on it. And the Republicans in the House are just saying no. And... It's hard to sit down and negotiate with somebody when you say, because you want what? And then some crazy thing flies in that the majority of Republicans don't even want, much less that you'll get Democrats on. So we're kind of in this shut down the government for what purpose? What are the Republicans trying to accomplish here? It's a kind of dysfunction that is not about Democrats and Republicans fighting each other. It's just Republicans who just can't seem to get their act together so that we do the most basic, basic job of government, Mm. and that is fund it and keep it going. Well, the goalposts, as we keep hearing, are moving on a couple of matters, including the supplemental emergency funding request for Ukraine, for Israel, for Taiwan. There's an effort in the House now to subvert the Speaker. That involves Democrats and Republicans, a discharge petition that would bring Defense only. It's a little different than the one you passed, and, and, and we'll see what they get on the border. Would you support an approach like that if it got the money to Ukraine? Look, I, I think the key thing right now, uh, and we were just talking about this um, uh, among the Democrats just a, uh, an hour ago, mm. pass the bill that's already passed the Senate. We have Republicans, we have Democrats who voted for it. Ukraine needs the money now. The, the, the Ukrainians are running out of ammunition, literally. They need the help right now. This thing has already been vetted. It's gotten strong support from Republicans in the Senate. There are Republicans in the House who want to do it. There are Democrats in the House who want to do it. The path is there. All you have to do is just take it. Come on, Leader Johnson. Make it happen. Well, of course, it's not just aid for Ukraine in question. It's aid for Israel as yep. well. You have previously said the U.S. should be conditioning aid to mm-hmm. Israel to protect civilian life in Palestine. And that is very much a topic of discussion in Michigan right now, where mm-hmm. there is a primary underway and an effort for voters to back uncommitted rather than President Biden because of his policy in supporting Israel, despite what we're seeing happen in Gaza. Does the president deserve to lose those votes? Uh, the president is doing... Um, Uh, He is working hard, and the president deserves our support. He has earned it, and he has earned it across the board. I want to be clear, though, when we're talking about what's happening right now in Israel, that the Netanyahu government, in response to terrorist attacks, the fact that there are still hostages that are held, the Netanyahu government has created a humanitarian disaster, and it's a disaster that gets worse every single day. Um, In addition to that, the Netanyahu government has said no to a long-term peace solution that is a two-state solution, which is the official policy of the United States of America. And the one way that we can make certain that 
two states for two peoples who are able to live in dignity and security and with self-determination. Uh, we know what we need to do right now. We need to get those hostages back. We need a ceasefire in place. We need to open up that humanitarian relief big time. And we need to be pushing both parties toward a two-state solution where everyone in the region can live in dignity, security, and self-determination. The economy is, of course, a big part of Joe Biden's pitch in Michigan and all over the country right now because the data are undeniable, the strength of this economy, despite the debate that seems to be uh, being had around whether we're going to have a recession or not. But it's interesting. The the more the Fed uh, hikes interest rates, it it seems the stronger this job market gets somehow. And I I recall some pretty tough conversations you had with Jay Powell in, in Senate hearings where you called him a dangerous man because the idea was that this job market might not survive such intense rate hikes. Do you feel differently now? Not, not only might not. Remember that the Fed put out a report a year ago this past December that said they were targeting uh, watching the unemployment rate go up. They were going to keep raising interest rates until more people, millions of people, yeah. were unemployed. Now, it turned out they raised those interest rates and that didn't happen. And it's the reminder, the Fed has basically one tool on inflation, right? It, it raises interest rates. That works for some kinds of inflation problems. But this was a time when prices shot up in part because we were coming out of COVID, we had supply chain kinks in part because the war in Ukraine had disrupted both food and energy supplies and in part, and it's still happening, because in concentrated industries, we've watched uh, big increases in profit margins as companies have engaged in price gouging. The Fed, can't touch any of those. And in fact, I've asked Jerome Powell about this in hearings, and he's admitted, no, they can't do anything about it. Right now, those high interest rates are actually increasing costs for families because one of the big parts of costs for families is housing. And with interest rates high, we know it's more expensive to buy a home. We also know it's more expensive to finance an apartment building or finance any new housing construction. And all of that gets passed on to consumers. It's time to get those interest rates down. So you would like to see the Fed start cutting rates as soon as the next meeting? Yes. Despite what may happen to the fight against inflation as a result? Well, you know, they're off supposedly uh, fighting inflation. They are not fighting some, not all, of the principal causes of inflation. And besides, let's keep in mind, uh, six out of the last seven months, inflation has been at 2% or lower. We've watched the numbers. They're in a pretty good place. Um, And what matters, I think, is that we pay attention to how families are experiencing this economy. The Fed's job is not just a bunch of papers and numbers on a a sheet of paper. It's about how families are living this economy. And keeping families so stressed on housing, not good for our country. Of course, here at Bloomberg, we talk a lot about the Federal Reserve. We also talk a lot about deals, as we have seen a lot of news within the last week. The FTC yesterday filing suit to block the merger between Kroger and Albertsons. Of course, within the last week and change, we've had news of the Capital One Discover Financial Mm -hmm. merger, both of which I know you are 
against on anti-competitive grounds. But what these companies argue is that is how they're able to compete against a Visa or a MasterCard or an Amazon or a Walmart. Is it not anti-competitive to not allow consolidation to compete with the largest players that are out there? So let me just start with, this is not the first time we've heard this argument. Mm -hmm. Uh, This argument has been used um, pretty much since the beginning of time in antitrust law. Oh, please, just let me get bigger so I can compete with the other giants. But let's unpack these just a little bit. So, for example, in the case of uh, the Kroger-Albertsons merger, we've now, in earlier lawsuits that have been brought, and now information that's coming out through discovery, we see that those, those two giants have been communicating with each other about how to keep wages down for grocery workers at both stores. Um, potentially a violation of the law, but it tells us what they want. This is they the no-poach agreement? That yeah, they these have? are the no-poach yeah. agreements, right? Which is just a way to say, I'm paying these folks $7.50 an hour, $11.50 an hour, and I don't have to worry they're going to get hired away for $12 or $12.50, right? I don't have to worry about that. This is another way to say that this is how the giants see their way to improve profits. Do they improve profits by offering better service? Do they improve profits by lowering costs? No, that's not where they're going. They're looking at ways to reduce competition. And i got to say right now, particularly in the grocery business, where we've actually seen margins increase dramatically, both for the individual items you buy and at the stores, this is not a time for the FTC to say, sure, go ahead and merge. Let's just have one grocery store in each of these areas setting prices and setting wages wherever they want to set them. Bad idea. There's another issue you're very passionate about in addition to antitrust, and that is crypto. Mm -hmm. You have, in just the last week, gotten a new challenger for your Senate seat in Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. John Deaton, a pro-crypto attorney. There is tens of millions of dollars in crypto-backed packs that could be weaponized against you in this election cycle as the industry sees that you are pushing legislation in your anti-money laundering legislation that would essentially apply the Bank Secrecy Act, KYC uh, restrictions to this industry, that that is something that could completely wipe it out in the United States. Clearly, this relationship is antagonistic. Why not try to collaborate with the industry to fix the issues? I want to collaborate with the industry. What I don't understand is why the industry seems to be saying that the only way that they can survive is if there's plenty of space for the drug traffickers and the human traffickers, oh, and the terrorists and the ransomware scammers uh, and the consumer scammers and the rogue nations, North Korea, that is financing about half of its nuclear missile program with crypto, that all of that has to be left open. You know, keep in mind, in our financial system, pretty much everybody follows the same set of rules. I'm talking banks and credit unions and credit card companies, uh, gold traders and stockbrokers. Private equity now has to follow the rules. Precious metal dealers, Venmo, Western Union, but not crypto. My view of the world is same kind of activity, same kind of risk, should have the same regulation. I'm not looking for fancier regulation for them. I'm not looking for for anything tougher for them. I just want a level playing field here where if you're part of the financial system moving around literally billions of dollars 
that, remember, my bill is not a regulatory bill. It's a, it's a bill about law enforcement, that law enforcement has the same tools that it has anywhere else to be able to shut down the terrorists and the drug traffickers and the scammers. I think that's the right thing. And I welcome anybody who wants to come in and make that happen. And frankly, I don't understand a defense that says, no, no, we, we've got to make sure that there's a place for those guys to play without getting caught.